Listen, they're playing our tune. They say it's good to write, so here goes. It's entirely appropriate anyway. 36 years ago, I courted you by letter. We were patients in a TB sanatorium, and the first day I saw this vision in a black leather coat, I was smitten. Need I remind you of the circumstances? I had been sent down from Unit 2 to the hospital building for a throat swab test. I ask you, could the circumstances have been any more romantic than that? A throat swab test? Anyway, there you were, briefly. My diary entry for that day marked the moment as follows. Then came the girls. A smasher from Unit 4. Miss McKeever. Four. Must investigate. When I was young and not very sophisticated. Worse, my memory is of not holding the door open for you, as I was anxious to get to a television set to see Arkel win the Leopardstone chase from height of fashion. Sorry. But you did make an impact. You were the height of fashion in that drab hospital building in your black leather coat. You were the real winner in a canter. It was March 1st, 1966, the beginning of the rest of our lives. The investigations began that evening and continued over the next week or so. I tapped into my sources. Oh yes, Miss McKeever, Olive, lovely girl. Worked in Aer Lingus and on the Queen Mary. Very bright. Speaks several languages. God, I'm out of my depth here, I thought. But I was smitten. I would give it a go. I would write to you. Thanks. I'm studying German to pass my nine-month sentence here. I could really impress if I wrote in, in German. I still have the first draft of the Brief auf Deutsch. Oh, God, I cringe when I read it now. Ich komme aus County Mead, genau wie Sie. I come from County Mead, just like you. Ich bin ein Lehrer. I am a teacher. It gets worse until it ends. Hoffentlich höre ich bald von Ihnen. Hopefully. I will hear from you soon. What must you have thought? Just to be sure, I wrote a second letter in English. It was now up to the postal system. I depended on a friendly nurse or porter to smuggle the letters into Unit 4, just across the field. Just like boarding school. What a way to treat twenty-somethings. And then the waiting. And then the reply. We were up and running. For the next three months, the letters went back and forth. Wonderful, wonderful letters that brightened up long, boring days, weeks, months. Wonderful, wonderful letters where we gradually unfolded our personalities and slowly learned about each other. I was growing bolder. I was wondering about the future post-sanatorium. And your reply... The idea of you fading away into obscurity is too ridiculous to be even considered. How could I possibly forget you? My stay in Blanchardstown has been made so much more pleasant since your entry into my world. What more could I say? Reassured? 
good. What is he saying under his breath? Your epistles get better and better. More and more and more, please. Soon, soon, soon. Love, Olive. It was six weeks later before we actually met. Appropriately enough, it was Easter Sunday, April 10th, 1966. I walked you home from the hospital chapel, all 400 yards. We were both tentative, shy even, but for me the meeting confirmed what I already knew. This was no pen pal exercise. I took one look at you That's all I meant My feet would step and walk My lips could move and talk And yet my heart stood still The letters continued Mine became longer, often including rewriting of Romeo and Juliet, set in a sanatorium. And you would reply with verses from your beloved Omar Khayyam. Ah, love, could thou and I with fate conspire to grasp this sorry scheme of things entire, would not we shatter it to bits and then remould it nearer to the heart's desire? And I loved the little postmarks you would put on the envelopes. Smile, it has arrived. No postman, now rain, life. Thought it was time to have you sent again. Oh, your perfume sprinkled on the letter, that sent me all right. Eventually I was given grade four, which meant I could be up and about. I was allowed to go for walks, go to mass, to bingo, to the weekly cinema, the thrill of it all. Do you remember the bank holiday when we went on our adventure in the woods? Monday, 30th of May, 1966. Heavenly weather. Lucky for the normals outside who can enjoy it. We knew there would be no film tonight, but no one actually told us that. So Pat and I dressed up and hit the road. Olive and Terry from Unit 4 did the same. Being the grand evening it was, we went for a walk. Olive and I leading, Pat and Terry lagging behind. Down to the mortuary. Exotic, or what? Who passes us in his car but Dr. Holmes? Good night. Well, we might as well make a night of it. So, over the gate and through the woods. An absolute panic. Over and under fences. Through briars, me beating a path. Olive in her high heels. The laughter must have been heard all over the place. Several wrong turnings later, we emerged at the boiler house the summit of Exotica. 
Olive and I walked round and round the boiler house lawn 16 times, according to Terry, and had a great conversation. It was magic. At 8 o'clock, we had to part. Pat and I returned to base. Sister was livid, had been looking everywhere for us. In future, don't go to the pictures until I tell you. Nurse Callahan warned us that trouble was coming. Sister was reporting us to Dr. Holmes. <laughs> she doesn't have to. I couldn't care less. I had a ball. We may have broken the rules, stupid rules, but have no regrets. As Olive said, someday we look back and laugh at this. Reminds me of a line from Virgil. Hike olim meminisse you vabit. One day it will delight us to remember these things. Sorry to hear you had to endure a lecture on your return from the woods. Feel a bit guilty, since it was my suggestion in the first place. No, I would not have missed it for anything. The situation was so ridiculous, I could have curled up with laughter. All right, I did. Had the embarrassment of having to face Dr. Holmes on my own in the office yesterday. He didn't say anything, but had a very knowing smile on his face, which put me off balance completely didn't ask him half what I wanted to. That was then, and it was lovely then, and you were lovely then, and we were young and so in love, and it was lovely then. It was the most wonderful day of my life up to then. I was in love. What you saw in me, I don't know, but thank you for all 16 laps of the boiler house long, and thank you for replying to my letter in the first place. It was meant to be, my Little did either of us think on entering the sanatorium that we would meet our life partner. It was meant to be. When eventually we were discharged, you after a major operation, the letters and the courtship continued. You had the added burden of nursing your ailing mother. I wrote to you almost daily for two years. 9th of November, 1967. Thank you so much for your letters. Received two of them today and mass bouquet. Words cannot express how much they mean and how much they've helped me over the last few days. But without any letters, just the thought of you is enough to keep me going at any time. Maeve is with mother at present, so I've managed to get out in the air for a while. It was lovely to walk through the fields and think of you. A year later we were engaged. In the summer of 68... You managed a brief holiday in Wales with your brother Jack. You would love it here. Mountains all around, with sheep grazing on them and a stream running down by the house. The surroundings are all you and I would ever ask for. It's just awful that you're not here to share them with me. I awake with thoughts of you in the morning and sleep with thoughts of you at night. And that sounds a bit dodgy. You travel with me all through the day and talk with me about the things I see and feel. Yet, my darling, I'm lonely, and wish you were here with me in person. On September 18th, 1968, I slipped a gold ring on your finger and promised to love, honour and obey. 
it was meant to be. Thank you. You were so beautiful that day. I really can't look at your wedding photograph now. You just look ethereal. The ring bore the following inscription. Haik olim meminisse you vabit. I now wear it on a chain around my neck. It is an incalculable comfort. One day it will delight us to remember these things. That day is now, love, and it does delight me. How it delights me. A few weeks after your death, I came across those first letters again. I had kept yours in a biscuit tin for 35 years and never looked at them. I suppose I knew there would be a day. I was delighted to find you had kept some of my letters too. I read them in tears and I just fell in love with you all over again. It was, is, a beautiful feeling. I walked on air just as I had done all those years ago. Everything was possible. Nothing was a problem, except for one thing. You were no longer physically present. But the wonderful, tentative innocence of those letters, the gradual realization of love, thank you again. And it was lovely then, and you were lovely then, and we were young and so in love, and it was lovely then. It hasn't been all joy, of course, far from it. The sheer emptiness, the abject loneliness, the regrets. If only I had done this, hadn't done that. If only I had said this, hadn't said that. I know, I know it's wrong to think like that. All the counsellors, all the textbooks tell you not to think like that. But I'm human, and I do. A friend in Galway has a wonderful saying about all this regret stuff, as she would call it. If you didn't travel the road you travelled, you wouldn't be where you are now. Very Irish, but on reflection, very true. It's the path we took that made us what we are now. And I know there weren't 33 years of unending bliss. Far from it, I hear you sigh. 
arguments, disagreements, deep freezes, as you would call them, irritation, exasperation on both sides, all that stuff that got in the way, money problems, health problems, worries over our children, our three beautiful children, life, as you would say, on your postmarks all those years ago. But we stuck at it. The foundations were solid. It was meant to be. Ireland 2, Iran 1. Ole, 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 ole. We've qualified for the World Cup. A long, hard campaign has borne fruit. Some great times, some dodgy moments. A bit like you and me, really. Terrific first half, under pressure in the second. Injuries, yellow cards, off-the-ball incidents. But overall, we were winners. We dug deep, as Mick might say. We worked for each other. At the end of the day, we got a result. All the clichés you like, but at least we're in sight of the prize. Ole, 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 ole. The scales have been lifted from my eyes now. I can see clearly now. For putting up with my stubbornness, selfishness, stupidity. Thank you, my love. And of course it wasn't all black. We had wonderful times, memorable days, deeply cherished moments. Just look at the photographs, how I cherish them now. So what if the composition is awful? Who took this one with the clothesline full of washing in the background? So what if that one is slightly out of focus? You are there, smiling. Your head in my shoulder here, a baby in your arms there. How I cherish them all. From the very first one, when Andy Penston executed a daring raid on Unit 4 and snapped the gorgeous blonde in Ward 5, to the very last, at Melanie's wedding, taken 16 days before you died. The laughter, the smiles, the precious memories. I drink deep and long from that refreshing pool of memory. And it's not always the big occasions. Very often, most often, it's the little things that warm me now. The trivia. A cigarette that Let us talk of trivia, inconsequential, insignificant, half-remembered things. What the children did and said, characters we met, the antics of a much-loved pet, our secret language, K as B, kettle's boiling, I'd love a cup of tea, nothing events. Like the note I left, I leaned against the washing machine and set it going. You laughed so much. Like I said, silly, inconsequential, trivial things. Things that bound us together impenetrably. The winds of March that make my heart. Burn. 
of your clings. You always joked that if you went first, you would haunt me. Haunt me now, I beg you. For all the trivia, thank you, my darling. John O'Donoghue has put it beautifully in his book, Anamkhara. The kingdom of memory is full of the ruins of presence. His writings have been a great consolation to me over the past eight months, or is it centuries? He writes, the happenings in your life do not disappear. Nothing is ever lost or forgotten. Everything is stored within your soul in the temple of memory. John O'Donoghue is equally consoling about death and eternity, something that has troubled me greatly since you entered those portals. In this earthly existence, we are bound by time and space. We, limited humans, cannot comprehend the notion of eternity where time and space no longer rule. John O'Donoghue quotes Meister Eckhart in maintaining that the dead don't go anywhere. They are here all the time. He writes, You can sense the presence of those you love who have died. With the refinement of your soul, you can sense them. You feel they are near. I'll second that. I believe in your presence. That's why I talk to you all the time, much more than you did when I was here, I hear you sigh. That's why I write to you most nights. You see, I'm still courting you. The dam burst in my heart has released the most intimate outpourings. Thursday, 1st of November, 2001. My darling, November. Always hated it. Really loathe it now. Came across a 1981 diary today. I know I shouldn't start reading, as all the problems come back. Money rows, arguments, etc. But there it appeared in the midst of all the hassle. There is no one like her. Five simple words that are the key to it all. I shut the diary immediately. Extraordinary. Five little words that are so true. There is no one like you. I said it then, I say it now. And then in the post came your memoriam card. Just one. The printer wants to know if I'm happy with it. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Oh, it's a lovely card. The verses read very well. And you're... radiant. What else? I just can't believe it. That's all. I'm looking at your memoriam card. The unreality of reality. 
met Johnny Williams in the canteen. He was so reassuring about your presence, my openness. But now, in the still of the night, I look and still cannot believe. Feel so tender towards you. Kiss your ring over and over. Love you. Miss you. Thank you. Of course, there is, was, no one like you. That's the key to all my worries, regrets. There it is, written on St. Patrick's Day, 1981. You had gone on a sun holiday with Joan. I really miss Alan, for all we differ and clash and irritate. There is no one like her, and I love her, so. So it is written, so I believe, so I know. So I love you more than ever. You know that. I know that. He knows that. So I'm happy. But that memoriam card. Love, John. I believe in your presence. That's why I recognized you in St. Stephen's Green four weeks after you died. There I was on a bench on a sunny August evening, smoking a cigar, remembering a lovely evening almost a year previously when we sat on a bench in the green, just enjoying the contentment of it all. There I was with my memories when I was accosted by a down-and-out on the touch. Any chance of an old cigar, boss? He was so upfront about it, I immediately gave him one, probably hoping he'd go away. But no, he sits down beside me, lights up, and proceeds to tell me his life story. He was a former jockey who threw a few races, was brought up before the stewards, and lost his licence. End of career, hit the bottle, all downhill from there on. Problems over the family home, marriage broke up, and here he was, homeless, alcoholic, on the touch in Stephen's Green. He was a most engaging fellow, witty, articulate, not in any way offensive. I thought to myself, all of it love this guy, knowing your feeling for the downtrodden. I gave him a few bob and stood up to go. For some reason, I told him how I had lost you suddenly a month earlier. He stood facing me, put his arms around me, leaned forward and whispered in my ear, The seed in your heart shall blossom, and walked away. Just that, the seed in your heart shall blossom. I was totally stunned. When I looked back, he gave a little wave and mimed the message again. Weird, wonderful. We talk of gambling, cheating, alcoholism, broken marriage, and he comes out with this, this poetry. It was only later I realised it was you I had spoken with, or your angel. Had to be. I'm totally convinced of that. How typical you choose a down and out to be your angel. No chance to be a tall, willowy blonde throwing her arms around me. And of course you and he were right. The seed of love has blossomed in my heart, wonderfully, beautifully and it continues to blossom. Thank you, my darling. <laughs>
Let nobody think it's easy, though. It's a hard and lonely road without you. And although family and friends are very supportive, ultimately, it's a road I must walk alone. I miss you, even if only to argue with. I miss you, terribly, frighteningly. You were part of the fabric of my life. I like this poem by Pat Schneider, whom I interviewed a few years ago. Last night, the lake was still. All along the shoreline, bright pencil marks of light, and children in the dark canoe pleading, tell us scary stories. Fingers trailing in the water, I said, someone I loved who died told me in a dream to not be lonely, told me not to ever be afraid. And they were silent, the children, listening to the water lick the sides of the canoe. It's what we love the most can make us most afraid, can make us, for the first time, understand how we are rocking in a dark boat on the water, taking the long way home. So here I am, rocking in a dark boat on the water, taking the long way home. Only now do I realise that you are truly and literally my other half. With you going, a great part of me has gone too. And I owe you so much, I never told you how much. Well, I'm telling you now. You made me the person I am. My real date of birth is March 1st, 1966. Do I make myself clear? Throat swab test, vision in a black leather coat, door closed in her face. I look at your memoriam card again. Unreal. I look at the verse. Fill my sails, Adonai, with thy rhythmical breath, and blow me wherever thou wilt over emerald waves. For someone who loved the sea, lived by the sea, worked on the sea, died in the sea, it seems just right. And I love the notion of freedom, a free spirit wandering where she will. But don't wander too far. I need you. Now more than ever. So stay very close to me, please. Or else I fall apart. As I mowed the lawn at sunset, did I see you give a little wave on returning from your walk? Did I see you move about the kitchen, making your top of tea? Did I watch you watch the sunset from your conservatory chair? Did I smile as you gesticulated to a friend on the phone? Did I notice you glide past the window? with a little glass of muscadet. And when the dark descended and I came in exhausted, did I hear you call out, you're making a top of tea, I wouldn't mind another. 
course I did. But when I went to make it, the dark was all around. Love you. Miss you. Above all, above all, thank you. Ike Olim Eminissa Uvabit. And it was lovely then, and you were lovely then, and we were young and so in love, and it was lovely then, and will be so again, and will be so again.